Tune into my interview with Amy from Australia, who was excited to begin a new life as an educator in China, but almost a year later would return home unexpectedly due to concerns about the COVID outbreak. Now that some time has passed, she's making plans for a new adventure as an expat in Korea. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. Here with me today is Amy. Amy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? Great, great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today on my podcast, Are We Home Yet? A podcast for current expats to talk about creating a home and also for future expats to be able to understand how you can make a home in obviously a place that is foreign to you. So let's jump right into it. I met Amy in Beijing uh, when we were both living in China. And uh, tell me, Amy, uh, where do you currently live and how long have you been living there? So I currently live in Adelaide, Australia, and I used to live here before I went to China. So in all, probably around 20 years. I moved here when I was 23, and yeah, I like it a lot. It's very sunny here, but um, it has a, a lot of um, nice country sort of aspects as well. So yeah, it's a nice place. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that kind of segues into the next thing I was going to ask you. What's it like living there, like specifically in the town, in the country, well, country slash continent? What, what is it like living there? Tell us like what's interesting, what's exciting what what might be maybe like mundane now but you know might uh, appeal to say like a visitor well we are the wine capital of australia <laughs> um if you like a few glasses of, of wine we have some of the best wineries in the region um so that's always lovely to go and visit all the wineries uh we have beach we have a lovely couple of beaches here which are beautiful sandy blue clear waters um, we definitely have that kind of small town feel, even though we are a city. So um, Adelaide is a city, but it kind of sometimes feels more of like a small town where you do run into people you know, and it, it does sometimes seem like a bit of a small pond. Uh, but I, I do like it. It's I'm more of a city girl myself, but I, I do enjoy some of the quieter parts of Adelaide, um, being able to go for a walk on the beach and it not being filled with people is really nice. And we've got a lot of nature around, which is lovely. Like my parents live on the edge of hills and they have koalas in their yard and kangaroos running around and wow. that's all really nice to witness. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds amazing. Oh my god, that sounds that sounds like you know, like Adam an Animal Kingdom, like Wild Animal Kingdom show, like that I might have seen on TV. That sounds <laughs> so amazing, and obviously very different from when you know we were living in in Beijing, which is obviously very city 
Um, and I know that you mentioned yeah. that you're a city girl. So what was that like living in Beijing? Uh, had you ever been to Beijing before? Was that your first time? Uh, no, it was my first time in China. I'd never been before. I was actually planning on going to Japan and that kind of fell through. And um, we used to work for a company called Disney and I saw that in an in an um, advertisement and I thought, well, I love Disney and I kind of just jumped for it. I didn't really know anything about China. I didn't really know um, where I wanted to go, if I wanted to go to Beijing or Shanghai. I knew obviously... Yeah, I knew a tiny bit. And then when I got the position, I researched a lot. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. um, I tried reaching out to people who were already in Beijing when I found out that's where I was going. And I tried to learn as much as I could. But, of course, I was a little bit concerned given the fact that I didn't know that much about the country. And, yeah, it was a big place. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Beijing is huge and I was a little bit worried about well, what if I get lost or what if it's scary um mm -hmm. yeah so I definitely when I when I decided to go to Beijing it was kind of a jump and see where I land kind of move it wasn't a very planned out move you could say mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh so what were some things that you really enjoyed about living in Beijing well I loved First of all, the friendships I made there, I know you could say that about any place, but there's something about a group of friends that you make when you're all new to a city and you're all jumping into that environment together, that kind of bonds you and it brings you closer. Um, I still talk to the friends I made in Beijing and I, I would say that's probably one of the things that, like, I have the good memories I have of Beijing because of them. So I loved the city environment that nothing sleeps. You can go out at 3 a.m. and there's always something open, something happening. Um, the shops are amazing. The shopping centers there are massive. And that was certainly something I spent all my money on when I was working in Beijing. <laughs> um, but I also loved that you had all the history and culture. Uh, you could go to the little alleys and, and see how you know, just see how things really were and you could visit the Great Wall of China. It was so close to us. Yeah, it was a it was such an interesting city because it was a real mix of absolute culture shock and, and just general beautiful culture. But then you also had that modern side of it that made it really fun and, and just a cool place to explore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. Let's cut to a quick commercial break. Enjoying the podcast? Then support the podcast. Click here to donate in the show notes and keep the cool interviews with guests from around the world going. Check out the blog for handy information about living abroad and buy the ebook, a great guidebook for moving abroad. Find the blog and ebook at the website, arewehomeyetpodcast.com. Again, that's arewehomeyetpodcast.com. You can also donate on the website by scrolling all the way to the bottom and finding the donate button. All right, back to the show now. Um, and then, okay, so 
you know, the purpose of the podcast is again, to find out like, how do expats make a home? And um, so, you know, I'll just ask you, what is your definition of a home? And do you feel like you made a home in Beijing? I think my definition of home is somewhere that you feel comfortable, that you can be yourself, that you can be around the people that you enjoy spending time with, that, you know, somewhere just that uh, that just clicks and it just does feel like home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I really do feel like I found that in Beijing, um, so much so that I had considered that I would be spending like quite a bit of my life there. Like I really did think I would be spending, you know, years there. Um, Yeah, it's it's kind of bittersweet for me to talk about because I do miss it every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think I found home there. It was that place where I felt comfortable. I grew as a person. I could be myself. I changed as a person too. Like I turned into somebody who was a lot more confident, Mm -hmm. a lot more outgoing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just felt like I really found my groove there, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it it definitely does. I mean, you know, I I met you there and and I mean, so I hadn't known you prior, but I mean, yeah, you you were <laughs> exuberant and outgoing and definitely friendly. You know, I remember when like I went to dinner at your home and I was just like, wow, you know, uh <laughs> I barely know this woman and, and she, here she has cooked <laughs> this lovely <laughs> meal. Like like this was amazing. Yeah, so I mean, I I, I like I said I I don't know who you were before, but definitely the person I met there was really wonderful. And, and, and it really was a pleasure to have met you in Beijing. Oh, well, thank you. I, I feel the same. I, I remember meeting you and I just remember thinking how like put together and how all together you were, you know, you just, <laughs> you just seemed to have everything together and you just seemed to be able to have the most thought provoking conversations. You know, you really knew how to get to a subject and, and just sort of, I guess it's what you're doing with your podcast. You're getting to a subject and you're kind of unearthing the important things rather than just glossing over the top factors, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So, you know, during the pandemic, you left the city. So, you know, just tell tell us like a little bit, like what caused you to leave? Because, you know, obviously many people did. I mean, I'm one of like a few people I know that we worked with who actually said, okay, well, I'll stay. But yeah, many people did leave. So what what yeah. caused you to leave? Um, well, I was in Chengdu when the pandemic started. I was visiting a friend and originally I wasn't really planning on leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of wanted to just sort of see how things went. And I remember talking to my boss and being like, well, what should I do? And she was like, oh, you know, just stay here and things will, you know, work itself out and, you know, just wait it out basically. Mm-hmm. And I remember my friend in Beijing, she was, uh, sorry, in Chengdu, she was um, really, really concerned and scared. Like she was just scared straight out. I could see it in her face. Mm-hmm. Um, and her parents immediately asked her to come home. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, well, I don't want to be that person that jumps a ship the first chance of trouble. Like I didn't want to be seen like that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of waited it out a little bit longer. But um, when I flew back to Beijing, it was like I'd gone into a completely different city. Yeah. It oh, was 
a mm-hmm. dead town, you know, like there was no traffic on those busy streets that are always moving. Mm-hmm. Um, the shops were closed. The the restaurants were closed. Everything was shut up. And I remember getting there and the next day going out and looking for groceries and not being able to find supermarkets open. And the ones that did had like very little on the shelves. And I spoke to a shop owner that I was friends with and she said, all our trucks are stuck outside of Beijing. They're not allowed in. So we don't have any more stock coming. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the first time that in my in my complex, my apartment complex, the guards doing my temperature check when I went in and out of my apartment. And I said, well, what happens if I have a temperature? And they were like, well, you won't be allowed back in your apartment. You'll have to go to hospital. Mm-hmm. And I think the combination of those two things were what really did it to me because I thought, one, what if things go really downhill and I get stuck here? And two, like I just sort of got to that feeling where I was feeling on edge and I remember I was kind of looking over my shoulder. It, like it sounds so silly now knowing what we know. Yeah, sorry. Zombie movie. You, but, I mean, you you had the information you had at the time. You know what I mean? Like n- mm-hmm. none of us knew what was going on. So no, it's, it's exactly n- not silly. I mean, I just knew in Chengdu they were spraying disinfectant from the from the sky with helicopters and the police were coming to our apartment asking for our passports to see our passports and all this together just I guess it made me paranoid in a way and my parents were both contacting the Australian embassy in in China and talking to them and asking them about what we should do. And I remember at one point I'd kind of said, no, I'll be fine. I'm just going to wait it out. And there was a point when I got back um, from from trying to find food and I called my mom in tears, uh, which probably added quite a few grey heads onto their heads. Um, And I was like, and mum was like, well, if if I get you a ticket, will you come home? And I remember thinking, oh, should I do this? And I, and then I thought, well, Disney had said that we would be back in two weeks. So I thought, well, if nothing else, it'll be a nice little two-week vacation. I get to go home. I get to eat some of my favorite foods. And then, you know, when, when this comes down, I'll get to go back and continue the job I love with the friends I love. Mm-hmm. So in my head, when I left China, I always thought it was just going to be for two, three weeks. And then I'd go back. I even had a return ticket. Um. And it turned out not to be the case. Mm -hmm. So it was very heartbreaking for me to leave China. It was not a decision I took easily. I had a pet cat um, that I'd rescued and leaving her with somebody else was like heartbreaking. I found it really hard. So, yeah, I think a lot of people when they left, people seem to think that it was just easy that we just left. But Mm -hmm. it was actually really hard decisions to make, I think. And a lot of people still real from it today I know I do you know so I I think yeah I I would go back in a heartbeat if the political situation between Australia and China was a bit better I would be back there you know you would be seeing me on your couch in in days (laughs) yeah yeah and so so like at what point when you were home you know did you realize like hey your goal of returning in you know the two-week time frame or or now maybe in a lapsed time frame like at at what point did you realize like mm, this is just not not changing not you know not not really going to happen like I, I mean was it like obviously you know two weeks had gone by so was it mm-hmm. you know four weeks was it like I mean do, do you have an idea of like 
how long that took um, before? I think I remember we, it was like March. It was my mom's birthday. And I remember thinking, well, if, if this isn't going away, what am I going to do? And I spoke to my boss, and I think it was around the time that Disney English, the company we worked for, disbanded. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was around that time that I was like, well, this is just not going away. Like, mm-hmm. this is not just going to, you know, dissolve. So mm-hmm. I was very sort of sad about it, but I had made the decision to, like, stay in Australia. And um, I ended up getting a small amount of my stuff sent back I mean there's still someone in China is living off my clothing and my my furniture (laughs) Um, because I couldn't obviously I couldn't send it all over so I just had a small suitcase shipped back um so yeah it wasn't an easy decision to stay in Australia because I had a big financial interest in China like I had an apartment I had a pet I had friends I had Basically, all my belongings were there, and mm-hmm. the decision to stay in Australia was really hard. Um, I had to listen to my family because they were worried and concerned about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to listen to the political tensions that were rising between Australia and China, the pandemic that was, you know, going through everywhere, and it, it was. I found it one of the most hard decisions I've had to make mm-hmm. yet. Um, and I still dream about going back all the time. It's like my friends get so sick of me because all I want to talk about is China and they don't understand because I've never been there and they think mm-hmm. they have all these preconceived notions of China mm-hmm. and they don't see this like wonderful place that I was in, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think, yeah, I, I probably made the decision about the time that our company got disbanded and yeah, I think that was when I was like, yeah, okay, that was the dream over kind of moment yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. And okay, so then, so then, um, obviously, you've been home for, for some time now. Uh, what, yeah. how have you been able to adjust back home? I mean, because, you know, at some point, you know, obviously, you had to become employed again, and, you know, make like make you know, your, your lodging area decorative and, and mm-hmm. feel like a home again, you know, and continue your mm-hmm. life, obviously. So how, how did you make the adjustment or how have you been making the adjustment? Well, I feel like for the first year back, I didn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really, um, stuck in this, like, even though I knew I wasn't going back to China, I was stuck in this rut of, well, I don't want to do anything else. Like I was depressed. Actually, I was really depressed having lost all these wonderful friendships. I mean, I never lost them, but like not being able to see these people every day and the little kids, you know, that I I taught, you know, not being able to see their smiling faces every day. It it took a, it did take a big hit out of me. And I think for the first year back, I did struggle and because I am a teacher, I was trying to get my teaching license in Australia. And because of the pandemic, everything was closed, everything was delayed, there was nothing I could do. So I ended up just sitting for a year, kind of, you know, freaking out and digging myself into a depression hole, which sorry to anybody who's listening, this doesn't sound like the greatest thing. But I must say, 
Um, I, I did get a wonderful job. I'm working for the Australian government, um, for Australia in the youth and student sector. Mm-hmm. So I am working with young people again, and mm-hmm. it is a job that I really enjoy, and I like my coworkers. Mm-hmm. I feel like for me, my happiness depends a lot around the people that I'm bouncing off of. So if mm-hmm. I've got some people that are positive and happy, it kind of inflates my mood to be the same. Mm-hmm. So I feel like slowly I am bouncing back. I have actually seeked some help, some psychiatric help um, to be able to bounce back. And, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I am seeking adventures. I am actually um, looking possibly going to South Korea in the coming new year so I'm not like I I won't let my experience in China diminish in my eyes or Mm -hmm. I won't let it stop me from exploring new places or exploring new adventures and I refuse to let the pandemic do that either I really don't want to be one of those people who doesn't do the things she dreams of just because you know, there's a few things that might get in my way. So I know some people might say that sounds kind of naive, but I just, you know, I've always had it in my head. I want to travel. I want to teach. I want to visit new cultures. And that's kind of, yeah, where I'm at at the moment. I'm I'm interviewing for some places in um, South Korea and I'm loving my job at the moment. So yeah, things are pretty good. I feel like as far as you were saying about home, I do find it hard because I am living in a share house in quite a small room. So, but I'm slowly building up the things I lost in China and I'm slowly building up, like you said, like making it a home, decorating. Mm-hmm. You know, I have photos everywhere of, of experiences that I've had and that kind of makes it more of a home. Um, and I do have family here, which I think helps that feeling. And, you know, I have, of course, my friends that I had you know, who've been wonderful friends to me all the time I've been in China and, and now that I've returned. So it doesn't really feel like I missed a day with them. We just bounced straight back into it. So mm. that's a lovely feeling to have as well. So I do, I do feel that this is a home. I don't necessarily feel like it's my forever home though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear about you and your, you know, potential adventures in South Korea. So, all right. So let me just ask you a few more questions. So what was the visa process like in coming to China? Um, I think I was pretty lucky because my um, employer organized a lot of it for me. Mm-hmm. It was like a long process. It took quite a few months, mm-hmm. uh, but I, was really lucky they provided everything the forms and everything I just had to go take them in to the visa um to the to the consulate in my area I had to go take them in there um I had to have like a full medical but I don't know if that was just for the job or if it was for the visa as well I'm, mm. I'm not quite sure it kind of got a bit like everything kind of blurred together there um but we yeah we did like a full police background check um mm. Yeah, full health check, a full visa sort of organisation thing where they came and they, like, shipped things, like, they had things couriered to me, like, papers and forms couriered to me mm-hmm. to get filled in. And, yeah, they were really on top of it all. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was quite easy because they just did it step by step with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've looked into doing the visa, like, separately, like, if I was going to do it on my own, and it seems a lot more complicated. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely recommend if you're thinking about going to China, try and go with a company who will 
help you with your visa. Don't try and do it alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was your day-to-day like? So we worked mainly in the afternoons and then on weekends it was like all day. Um, so it was quite busy. I, I used to work all afternoons working in HK. So for me, it kind of felt very familiar that sort of I got up late, I went to bed late kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I spent most of my mornings just sort of, I would like take a slow walk to work and stop at a cafe and have breakfast and or lunch and um, just chill out and read my book for a bit um, or meet up with a friend. And then I would like go into work early and get everything set up for my day. I would plan out all my um, lesson plans for the week and get my timetable sorted, make sure I knew what I was doing. Um, and then I would spend quite quite a while teaching each day. Um, and then I would usually I'd meet up with friends after work. So we'd, we'd meet up and have dinner. It was really nice. Mm. Um, even if they worked at different parts of China, like uh, parts of Beijing, it was just nice to be able to come together and meet up and, and eat some good food. Um, mm. And then on our days off, I used to mainly go, uh, I, I didn't really go to many of the touristy places, but I used to go to like more off the beaten path places, which was a lot of fun. So a lot of people were like, oh, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And I'm like, yeah, but I did this, which nobody knows about, but it was really cool. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. definitely recommend, it's good to go to all the tourist places, but if you get a chance, go off the path a little bit and go places where people don't usually go mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. see a whole different side of China. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then like, what was your quality of life? Like, so like cost of living, your, your safety, maybe the time you had available, was any of that stuff different from home? Actually, um, I felt like my quality of life was excellent in China. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from Australia where like, I think Australia, we, things are quite expensive here in some ways and in other ways they're not at all like it just depends but for food and for um, like getting things like an uber and um, shopping and things like that I definitely felt like it was cheaper in China and my um, accommodation and everything was definitely cheaper in China Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I was living quite a high like high life like I used to catch like um, DDs it's like an uber service DDs everywhere Mm -hmm. I used to um, for our friends like all the time to eat out like here in Australia I could never afford to eat out as much as I did in China mm-hmm. um, and I definitely couldn't afford the nice apartments that I had in China like mm-hmm. I feel like um, yeah my lifestyle there was quite nice I really enjoyed it and mm-hmm. I think it was I like I definitely had friends who were more into saving and and that than I was like I definitely yeah. enjoyed my pay like I didn't scrimp and save and I didn't like I know a lot of people who did great things with their money like they saved up and they could go back and they could buy like a house or they could do things um whereas I definitely didn't do that mm-hmm. uh, probably a bit silly but I just wanted to enjoy it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I just took every opportunity to enjoy it and you know if that meant getting Starbucks ordered to my house or Mm-hmm. Like anything like little luxuries like that that I probably couldn't afford to do here. Mm-hmm. That was really nice to me. I enjoyed that side of life in, in China. Um, as far as safety goes, I definitely felt safer in China than I do in Australia, mm-hmm. which is really weird because everybody thinks Australia is quite a safe place. Mm-hmm. But I was walking around the streets in Beijing at like 2, 3 a.m. and never once felt uneasy or mm-hmm. weirded out or 
like I never had any guys being gross to me or like coming up and trying to like scare me or tap me up or whatever whereas mm-hmm. in Australia I feel like I've had like creepy guys following me home and all sorts of stuff and I feel like I think because in China there's cameras everywhere mm-hmm. which you think would take away a lot of your freedom but I actually mm-hmm. felt safer for it because if anything happens in China the police are on it like they know where it's happened who it's happened and I've seen literal like people being like taken down by the police there and it's very quick they're very quick with it so I feel like I felt quite safe there mm-hmm. um I know like China definitely is a different way of living because it is very the, the rules there are quite strict and the government is very like on top of things mm-hmm. and I feel like if you just know how to like I enjoyed my life there and I didn't try and talk about things that I knew would be uncomfortable for my Chinese friends or that I knew would be uncomfortable like in China like I tried to stay away from any topics that were sensitive topics Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like if you just go there with a very like happy-go-lucky attitude and you're not there to start causing drama and you're just there to be you know and enjoy the culture and enjoy your friendships that you're making and enjoy the life there I think then you'll be fine if, if, mm-hmm. if you go there and you want to stir up political tension or drama that's when you're going to have trouble mm-hmm. um yeah. and, and I know some people find that their way of life like they they have to be absolutely free to say whatever they want to say anytime they want to say it mm-hmm. but I feel like in China that's not really always a good thing so it's just better to just be sensitive and any country you go to is going to have different sensitivities or different things that they don't want you to know or don't want you to talk about and I feel like in China that's you just have to kind of be a bit more sensitive than you do maybe in your home country if you're from like Mm. America or Australia or England where Mm. we can be very free with our voice I I think you just have to be a bit more sensitive and I've had people go how could you live in China your freedom is taken away and and I just sort of thought, well, you know, like I'm, I was living by their rules. You don't go to a different country to live by your your previous country's rules. You go mm-hmm. there to live by their rules and see how they live and experience their life, you know. Mm-hmm. So I felt quite safe there all the time. <laughs> how did you deal with missing family and friends? Like, you know, what 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 did you do to, like, keep in touch and make sure, like, the connections were still strong? I feel like it actually brought me and my family a lot closer together. Mm-hmm. Um, my family worried about me for sure. Like they were worried about me living in China probably more than they would be if I was living in England or um, in a in a European country. They, they were worried. But then I think I just really reassured them and showed them that, you know, look, this is the lifestyle I'm having. It's great and I'm safe and I feel safe. And we Zoomed all the time or we did um, WeChat or WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. all the time and I showed them around my neighborhood my apartment and made them feel like they were a part of it as well in a way so that they felt a bit more secure mm-hmm. I think by doing that it stopped me from feeling very like homesick I've lived away from home for a long time and lived in like lots of different countries so to me it wasn't that big a shock mm-hmm. um, to be away from my friends and family but I definitely did have moments I remember one time near Christmas um, I had a particularly hard day and I got home and I just called my mom and I was crying on the phone to her and I was like, I just miss you. And um, 
you know, like she reminds me of that. She goes, well, you weren't always happy in China. Look, you called me and you're crying. And I was like, but I think that's the thing. Like Mm -hmm. everybody has those moments where, yes, it all just hits them. And you're like, shoot, what am I doing? I'm a million miles away from anybody I like know. And things go on. Like, you know, there was the fires in Australia when I was here and that made it really hard because I was worried about friends and family. Mm-hmm. So there's always things that are going to go on that will make you feel homesick or make you feel worried about your friends or family. Mm-hmm. But I think the best thing to do is just try and live like where you are. So like if you're in China, try and think about, you know, trying to be present where you are and not get too wrapped up in thinking about what you've left behind, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so I think one of the things that helped me was finding things from back home in Beijing. Mm-hmm. So I had, there was a store around the corner from me that sold Australian milk. Mm-hmm. And it's such a silly thing mm-hmm. to think about milk. But that just having like little touches, um, like some Australian foods or some um, thing, like something from home that I had with me, mm-hmm. that sort of helped me feel like, I was at home as well as adapting to my new environment and finding new things that felt like home, um, new people, new friends, new, like I said, I got my pet. Once I got my pet, that felt like my little cat angel. It really felt like home because you had your routine set. You had your, you know, it, it just things like that. I, one thing I would say is don't tie yourself down to any one feeling. Try and explore as many things as you can and yes have all your tastes of your home country you know if if you can't get them from an international store get them sent to you from your family have those little tastes but don't let it drown you in homesickness like don't let that take over all the wonderful magical experiences that you're having in whatever country you're in Mm -hmm. so if if you're in China don't let having you know, I cried the first time I found salt and vinegar Pringles in a store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but don't let that stop you from enjoying all the weird and wonderful zany flavours that they have. You know, mm-hmm. make a home with a bit of what you had before, but also be open to new ideas and new people and new feelings of home that you might not have had before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that that definitely is absolutely great advice. Each of you really are inspiring um, other future expats and probably current expats who, you know, you mentioned like, you know, kind of being sad or, or, or depression. And, and it's like, you know, especially now, so many of us have felt that I, I assure you, like, even if we seem like yeah. we have it together, like I know, like I seem like I do, but that's just my personality. Trust me, I've been there. So, you know, it, it is, it is, it is wonderful to be able to like listen in and and hear like okay you know hey she went through this too and and she's she's okay what did she do how did she overcome this you know because even if you fall down and you get up like other people see that and they say you know hey i i i can get up too so you know yeah. thank you so much for taking the time again to speak with me and I know definitely that our listeners have enjoyed this interview and uh, yeah. So have a great day and, and I hope everyone out there as well can try to enjoy the day as well. 
Oh, you're really welcome. And thank you for having me on your podcast. It's a first for me. And <laughs> I, I do encourage anybody who's thinking about going to Beijing or thinking about just traveling to a different country, reach out to people who have had that experience. Have a good day, Amy. And I'm going to talk to you later. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Next up, listen in to me interview Stevie Ortotolo, who is an expat from Gabon, formerly in Ghana, currently now in Rwanda. He is a conference interpreter, voiceover coach, professional English teacher, motivational speaker, online jobs consultant, business owner. So this is a really exciting interview because he's talking about all the opportunities that are available to so many people in various African nations that he's trying to promote. And I hope you like this interview as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to arewehomeyetpodcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.